Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Good morning and Merry Christmas. I don't just say uh, Merry Christmas right out of habit or as a filler. I truly do wish each one of you a Merry Christmas this year, a joyous, happy, blessed Christmas. Uh, So glad that you could be here with us this morning. Again, thank you for making worship a priority today. Uh, When Christmas falls on a a Sunday, family traditions sometimes look a little bit different, don't they? Uh, For us, for our family, we did some of our traditional Christmas things uh, yesterday morning, knowing that I had to be here this morning. I don't think my kids minded at all opening Christmas gifts a day early. But you know, the holidays, especially Thanksgiving, especially Christmas, are often tough for a lot of people. We may put on a good face and wish one another Merry Christmas, but but inside there can be some real hurt and heartache. Maybe there's some family strife that's that's causing stress or a growing animosity. Uh, Maybe the absence of a loved one who isn't here at their traditional place at the dinner table leaves that gaping hole. Maybe it's the the loneliness that strikes as as you watch the fun and camaraderie that others are enjoying and you don't have. Holidays can be hard. And if if culture dictates Christmas is only about these exteriors, these externals, right? Time with family, the the trimmings, the food, the trees, the the gloss, right? Uh, Back in the 60s, Stevie Wonder had a hit uh, called That's What Christmas Means to Me. Right? It became a staple on the radio. It's, I, I heard it this last week. It's been re-recorded, redone numerous times. And I'm not going to try to sing it for you, but it, but it starts out like this. He says, candles burning low, lots of mistletoe, lots of snow and ice everywhere we go. Choir singing carols right outside my door. All these things and more. That's what Christmas means to me, my love. Right? For Stevie Wonder, the externals of Christmas were were the important things. If you add enough candles, if you have enough mistletoe, if you have enough snow and ice like we do here this winter, right? If you have enough carolers, then you can have Christmas. However, as important as these Christmas traditions and family gatherings and some of these exterior things might be, they are not the major focus or the major emphasis of Christmas. If everything was stripped away, the lights and the decorations, the food and the festivities, the gifts and the gatherings, if everything was taken away, Christmas would still come. Even the Grinch found that out. Christmas comes to us because it is really and truly only about the reality of Jesus Christ's coming as a baby born to save us. And the text that we're going to look at this morning is a Christmas text. We're not going to look at the traditional Christmas narrative from Luke chapter 2 with the shepherds, the angels, the the manger, that sort of thing. This morning we're going to be opening up to John chapter 1 and looking at the Christmas story from John's point of view. Uh, Matthew and Luke, as they recorded the narrative of, of Jesus' birth, sought to lay out the events as they occurred. But the Apostle John, writing probably 50 to 60 years after the fact, 
has had some time to, to understand what was going on from a deep theological perspective. And so we get this unique glimpse into the Christmas narrative. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you again to turn to John chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 1 through 18. Uh, would you stand with me, if you're able, this morning as I read God's word? John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, reading in Jesus' name. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives life light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, it is, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, this is your word, and your word is truth, Father. And we thank you for this, uh, this Christmas text. Uh, it's, uh, there's some deep things in here, Lord, things that we might not understand at, at first glance, but we pray that you would give us uh, open ears and open hearts to what your word has. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is a, uh, this is a complex text, isn't it? Uh, many forests have been felled and many oceans of ink have been spilled by theologians and scholars as they try to understand and to expound this text. There, there are some deep and glorious theological truths uh, that are in here that shape and inform our understanding of who Jesus is. And we could spend quite literally years unpacking this text, diving into this text. Uh, but this morning, this Christmas morning, we're going to try to keep things simple and just, and just connect uh, two deep truths, deep and profound truths this morning. First, the Word is God. And second, the Word became flesh. And I know I, I just read it, but look back at the first few verses of John 1. John tells us that the Word is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The word is God. So what or who is this word that John is talking about? Uh, the Greek word that we translate as word in these verses is, is logos. It quite literally means that which is spoken. And so 
word, right? Word is a good, easy translation so we can move on. But <laughs> hold on, the, 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 the logos is a lot deeper than that. Uh, in the Greek thought, logos was wisdom. Stoic philosophers believed that the logos was the, the logical, rational principle by which the universe existed. They said that the logos was the, was the thread that, that connected all of the universe and held all the universe together, making, therefore, everything a part of the logos, kind of like Buddhism, where everything is a part of the divine. And in Jewish thought, however, the, the logos was connected to the word of God, to the Torah, in the Old Testament, the Lord God would reveal himself through his word. We're told what God is like through his word as he revealed it to the prophets. All throughout the Old Testament, you read phrases like this, right? The word of the Lord came to me saying, or thus says the Lord. And then the Lord would reveal something about himself or some other revelation. Also, God's word is powerful when he speaks things happen, right? Let there be, and there was. David said in Psalm 33, he said, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. God's word does things. God simply speaks, and his powerful word creates. I don't have that kind of power. My words do not create things out of nothing. Uh, this last week, there were a number of times uh, when I spoke to my car's battery my, my dead, cold car battery, trying to will it to life in that 20 below weather, right? Anybody else with me there? I'm sure I wasn't the only one, right? But it was a fruitless endeavor, right? Come on, start! And it would not start. Nothing happened. My speech, my voice did not accomplish anything. No matter how hard I tried to revive my car's battery, it was still dead. God's word, however, is different. He speaks. He gives his word and things happen. Let there be, and it is so. God creates through his powerful, through his effective word. John put it this way in verse 3, All things were made through him, through the Lagos, and without him was not anything made that was made. The word of God, the Lagos, created all things. And all of this is, is kind of wrapped up in that concept of Lagos. Wisdom, the revealing of who God is, his powerful creative word. In the beginning was the word. And John just doesn't come out and tell us who the word is, but he does give some clues in this text, especially in verse 1, as to the identity of the word. First, John tells us that the word was in the beginning. In the beginning. There's another book of the Bible that begins in the beginning, right? Which book of the Bible is that? Genesis. Genesis, right. Good job, right? So when John is saying in the beginning, he's not just starting off the narrative of Jesus' birth as a fairy tale that took place once upon a time or a sci-fi epic that began a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. John connects the Lagos with the beginning, the before the creation of the universe beginning. Before the Lord God created anything and everything, the Lagos was there in the beginning. You and I can point to a date and time on a calendar as to our own beginning, right? Our, our birthday. And we know that even that was not our beginning. To find that, you have to look back about nine months before, right? The Lagos has no beginning. He has been begotten of the Father before all worlds. And yet he has been around from the beginning. 
Before the beginning began, the Lagos was there. The second clue is found in the phrase, and the word was with God. And that little word with is very important. It could also be translated as towards or face to face. And this stresses the idea that the Lagos was, was both separate from the Lord God, uh, but yet there was a relationship, a deep personal relationship between the Lagos and the Lord God. The, the Lagos wasn't simply some power or some force emanating from the Lord God. Uh, the Lagos isn't simply one of the Lord God's attributes. The Lagos was with God, separate from the Lord, and yet united with him. And so even now, as John is laying out these clues as to the identity of the Lagos, he, he's giving us a, a, a fuller understanding of the triune nature of God, isn't he? And there's a final clue in verse 1 as to the identity of the Lagos, and it's this. And the word, the Lagos, was God. The word was God. The word was not a secondary or a lesser divine entity in some pantheon of, of gods. The word was and is and always will be God. This morning we use the Nicene Creed to corporately confess our faith. And here at Maranatha we're probably not as familiar with the Nicene Creed as we should be. Uh, but as we went through it, you probably noticed some overlap between the Apostles' Creed, which we're very familiar with, and this Nicene Creed. Uh, the Nicene Creed was adopted way back in 325. Uh, the church had gathered together at the city of Nicaea to confront the lies and the heresies of Arius, who claimed that Jesus was not divine and that God had created Jesus just as he had created everything else. Arius is infamously quoted as saying, there was a time when the sun was not and this teaching, so contrary to Scripture, spread very rapidly. And so this council was called to look at Scripture and then to, to discuss this issue. And from that council, that, that creed, this confession of belief was issued. Look back at your bulletin at that creed. And Pastor Lloyd mentioned it, uh, but in that second article of the creed, there is a, an emphasis on the divine nature of Jesus, isn't there? In the second article, Jesus, who is the Lagos, Jesus is called God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten and not made, being of one substance with the Father. Jesus is God. The Lagos is God. The triune nature of God is hard to understand, isn't it? Uh, the word is God, but yet the word is, is distinct, yet united with the Father and the Spirit. The word was God. Earlier this morning, I said we talked about two deep and profound truths, and we haven't even finished mining the depths of the truth that the word is God. We haven't even really scratched the surface. But let's move on to the, to the second truth, the word became flesh. The word became flesh. Look at again John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from, him, uh, for from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. The Word became flesh. These words and the reality behind them have changed the course of history. The Word, our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ, became flesh. The Word became flesh. This is the simple message of Christmas and the Christmas story. Jesus, the Lagos, the one through whom all things were created, came to the earth that he created. The Word became flesh. This is the message that the angel gave to Joseph when when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies that that Isaiah and others made. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the person of Jesus, God is with us. Not in some mystical, metaphysical, emotional sense, but actually physically with us. The word became flesh. Before Joseph and Mary had come together, the Holy Spirit had conceived within Mary's womb a baby. And not just any baby, but the Lagos himself, the Word of God, Jesus Christ himself, had been conceived within Mary's womb. And you know, for for, for years and for decades and for millennia, skeptics of Christianity have doubted the virgin birth of Jesus. It's just not possible, they say. And and humanly speaking, of course, it, it isn't possible. Uh, The old saying is true. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. (laughs) Remember that old rap song? But, But actually, the virgin birth of Jesus is one of the things that actually makes the narrative of Jesus' birth so believable in the first place. Today, unwed pregnancies account for 40 to 50% of births. But in Jesus' day, and especially in the Jewish culture uh, that Mary and Joseph were a part of, unwed pregnancies almost never happened. A woman could be killed, stoned to death as an adulterer. And so if such a stigma was attached to unwed pregnancies in Jesus' day, why would you make that such a hallmark of the narrative unless it was true? The word became flesh. Mary gave birth to Jesus. Maybe it was in a stable, maybe in a cave, most likely in the lower level of a relative's house. But Jesus was born and Mary laid him in the manger. The word became flesh. This is the message that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds, those lowly, despised shepherds who were watching their sheep on a cold winter's night as they had done countless times before. But then the glory of the Lord appeared around them and the angels proclaimed, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They they visited the manger and they saw the word who had become flesh and they told the story to all who would hear. The word became flesh flesh, John says, and the word dwelt among us. This one who had been around from before the beginning dwelt with us. And the word dwelt is is kind of a fun word. It could also be uh, translated as tented or tabernacled. In our Old Testament lesson for this morning, we read from that final chapter of the book of Exodus. And at first glance, that uh, seems to be an odd selection for a Sunday Christmas service, doesn't it? But yet that passage is, is deeply, profoundly a Christmas passage. 
It describes the the dwelling of the Lord with his people in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting. The actual real presence of the Lord God in all of his glory, in all of his holiness, in all of his majesty, living, dwelling, tenting with his people. And Moses could not go into the tent of meeting because the Lord God was there. The Lord dwelt with his people. That dwelling, however, was temporary. Because of the sinfulness of his people, the Lord God could no longer dwell with his people. Ezekiel had a vision of the glory of the Lord leaving the temple that he had once dwelt in. But yet in Jesus, the glory of the Lord had once again dwelt, tented, tabernacled among mankind. And John witnessed that glory firsthand. He put it this way in, in, in his epistle, 1 John chapter 1, he says this, And listen to some of these similar themes from 1 John 1 and and, uh, John 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you. John had been one of Jesus' disciples. And in fact, John was was a part of the so-called inner circle of Jesus' disciples. Of the twelve, Jesus had poured himself into Peter, James, and John first and foremost. And they were with him in some of his greatest moments and in some of his darkest hours as well. They witnessed personally the transfiguration of Jesus up on the mountain. They were with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as John said, they, they heard Jesus' words. They saw him do miracles. They, they touched him. They interacted with him. They beheld his glory as he dwelt, as he tabernacled, as he tented with us. Usually dwelling in a, a, a tent is temporary, isn't it? Tents are not designed to be permanent homes. I think you all know me well enough to know my love of of hiking, of backpacking, of canoeing. I love spending time in God's creation in a tent, and I've done so in uh, some pretty unseasonable weather, and some of you have been with me (laughs) in some of those ventures as well, right? However, there, there is nothing better than coming home from a long trip and returning to all the creature comforts of home, is there, right? Chairs and beds and warmth, walls, things like that. Jesus came and dwelt among us, tented among us for a a limited time and for a very specific purpose. The word became flesh and dwelt among us to give us, as John put it, grace upon grace. This, This grace upon grace came through the cross. The Lagos gave his life for his creation. The word gave himself for you, dying in your place and on your behalf. The word of God took upon himself all of your sin. He became sin for you. He took in himself the punishment that you deserve. He gave his life in exchange for you. And the wonderful promise of John 1.12 is that to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Grace upon grace is available for you. This grace isn't earned or merited. It's nothing you work to achieve. It's simply received like the gift that it is. It's simply received by faith and by belief in Jesus. And if you don't know 
If you don't know the word, the Lagos, as your Lord and Savior, if you've never received that gift of grace upon grace in him, this Christmas morning is the perfect time to get to know him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us in order to bring us, his creation, back to God. And of course, Jesus dwelling with us was, was temporary. After his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, he ascended into heaven, returned to the right hand of God the Father. He's no longer here with us. Yes, he has left his spirit with us, but he is no longer dwelling with us in the same way that he did in, in the Garden of Eden or in the tabernacle or as Emmanuel. One day, however, one day the dwelling of God with man won't be temporary. Revelation chapter 21 tells of, of the future day when the Lord God will recreate the heavens and the, the earth, the entire universe without the curse of sin. Uh, listen to these promises and listen for the promises of God dwelling once again with his creation. From Revelation chapter 21, John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he says, I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. These are some awesome pictures, some awesome promises, aren't they? And as we read these, as we consider these, we pray, Maranatha, come Lord, may it be so, right? So the Lord God dwelling, permanently dwelling with his people. All sin will be eliminated, all threats of death will be gone forever, all crying, all mourning, all pain will be removed. He who is light will be our light. He will dwell with us and we will dwell with him permanently, unending, Emmanuel. Amen. Maranatha, may it be so, Lord. You know, as we uh, kind of conclude this morning and this time together, there, uh, again, I'm glad you are here. There are so many churches that have canceled services today. Uh, back in September, a Lifeway research survey uh, picked pastors' brains about what they would do on Christmas Sunday. And 16% of pastors planned on canceling their Christmas Day worship services. That was way back in September. And they said this was due uh, to pastors who, who believed that families would want to celebrate their own traditions and would not want to bother coming to church. I'm glad you're here. Yes, family traditions are important, but they're not the main thing. And if you're watching online this morning, I'm not picking on you. I'm not judging you. That's not my heart behind this, right? I truly wish you would have a Merry Christmas wherever you are. But we gather together this morning as we do each Sunday morning, we gather as a family, the body of Christ, to worship our, our crucified and risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Word who became flesh for us. And so as we go about our day today, as your family and your friends gather around for your traditions, do so joyfully, 
knowing that the word became flesh for you to give his life for you. Amen. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for sending your son, Emmanuel, God with us, who dwelt with us, who walked the road with us, who knows our struggles and our our trials, who, who gave his life for us. And again, I pray that if somebody doesn't know that reality today, that you would work in that in their heart and that you would uh, be their Lord and their God. And Lord, we look forward to the day where you will again send your son Jesus to take us to, to heaven where you will recreate everything full of, or free of sin, free of death, free of pain and crying and where we will dwell with you. We long for that day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.